0: Prepare yourself, you're about to listen to the Jam Commission, the sworn enemy of lies and collectivism, and the podcast for all those who fear God more than they fear man. Now here's your host, Jam. Welcome to it, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Jam Commission. Especially if you're a first-time listener, welcome. Jam here, and today I'd like to take some time to talk about a recent Gallup poll survey, That was released earlier last week on July 27th, showing that enthusiasm for conservatism and the number of Americans identifying politically as conservatives has dropped 6 percentage points, from 40% in February to 34% today. This caught my attention because for the past few months I myself have been wondering where all the conservatives have gone. Since while we've seen a rise in enthusiasm by all establishments and institutions across our society for embracing Marxism, we've also seen a sudden decline in enthusiasm for those same establishments and institutions, and even amongst the people, for embracing conservatism and supporting conservatives. This can be witnessed by the smaller and smaller crowds such as those that attended President Trump's Tulsa rally and even the President's Mount Rushmore event on Independence Day. A sudden and monumental shift, especially when you consider that prior to February, support for conservatism was higher than the historical average at 40%, and Trump was holding rallies to sold-out crowds in massive venues that hold 100,000 people or more, with thousands more lining the streets just hoping to catch a glimpse of the most conservative president in American history since Ronald Reagan. So what exactly can explain this shift in support amongst Americans for conservatism? From support for conservatism in February being higher than the historical average of 37%, to it being well below the historical average in less than six months. A question that is even more important to find an answer to, as all freedom-loving people head into a massively consequential election this November in the states. While some conservative pundits and pollsters have begun to float the idea, as an explanation for this shift, that it is because of everyone's lives, fortunes, and sacred honors suddenly becoming the targets for Marxist revolutionaries, especially whenever anyone dares to speak or defend conservatism or displays their support for conservatives, thus resulting in Americans distancing themselves publicly in every way, even in anonymous surveys, from conservatism, out of fear of losing their lives, losing their livelihoods, or losing their reputation to the violent Marxist mobs renowned for roaming the internet, and now literally roaming our streets. With these conservatives also offering the same explanation to explain why the polls favor Biden over Trump by such a wide margin. With this explanation having a lot of merit to it, since as we've seen since 2016, and as we've seen more recently, anyone who won't bow to the Marxist ideology risks losing their job or having their reputation ruined through cancel culture. This can be seen when New York Times opinion editor Barry Weiss resigned or more aptly was forced out, after she, not a conservative, but rather a self-described liberal centrist, was found not to be extreme enough for her Marxist co-workers. With Weiss explaining in her public resignation letter that the reason she resigned was because, quote, I was the subject of constant bullying by my colleagues who disagree with my views. They have called me a Nazi and a racist, unquote. With Barry Weiss going on to explain that at the New York Times there is a new, quote, McCarthyism, unquote, which both her and her colleagues felt the brunt of, and with, with many of her colleagues who were also found not to be radical enough for the Marxists, also complaining to her privately about being badgered by, her Marx, by their Marxist co-workers, including those who insisted that her and her centrist ilk needed to be rooted out of the organization in order to allow it to be a truly inclusive one. This can also be seen when former public editor James Bennett, just a month before in June, resigned and more aptly was forced out because he dared to publish an op-ed by Senator Tom Cotton that promoted a law-and-order conservative agenda. In fact, Bennett's position as the editorial page editor for the New York Times was one of the most powerful in all of journalism, and he was a rising star at the paper, with rumors flying that he was to be the successor to executive editor Dean Baquette. Yet this exceptional journalism acumen was not enough, because for the Marxist ideologues at the New York Times, his lack of devotion to the cause, not his exceptional journalist acumen, was what makes him him or anyone, an unsuitable fit for anything, despite James Bennett not being a conservative, but rather another liberal centrist. Demonstrating once again what Barry Weiss noted in her resignation letter, that, quote, Truth isn't a process of collective discovery, but an orthodoxy already known to an enlightened few whose job is to inform everyone else, continuing, I always taught that journalists were charged with writing the first rough draft of history. Now history itself is just one more inferior thing molded to fit the needs of a predetermined narrative. In other words, if you value truth over Marxism, the Marxists are coming for you. Yet it is not just in political and journalistic circles where this forced conformity to Marxism over freedom of speech and truth is occurring. As if that wasn't bad enough. But everyone in all walks of life are now expected to conform to Marxist ideology or risk having their livelihoods and sacred honor destroyed by the Marxist mobs. This was no better exemplified than when Mike Gundy, the winningest football coach in Oklahoma State history, had his reputation dragged through the mud, his salary cut, and his job nearly lost for wearing a t-shirt with the logo of a conservative cable channel, One American News Network, that aired commentary calling Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement, quote, a farce, unquote, prompting Gundy to have to release this hostage video. Please play clip one. I had a great meeting with our team today. Our players expressed their feelings as individuals and as team members. They helped me see through their eyes how the t-shirt affected their hearts. Once I learned how that network felt about Black Lives Matter, I was disgusted and knew it was completely unacceptable to me. Black Lives Matter to me. Our players matter to me. I sincerely hope the Oklahoma State family near and far will accept my humble apology as we move forward. First of all, if you're a football player whose heart is affected by a t-shirt to the point that you have to have a team meeting about your feelings, then maybe you're playing the wrong sport. You know, the one where for 10 seconds at a time, your job is to literally use all your physical might to dominate the opponent wearing the opposite colored shirt from you. And secondly, as Gundy admits, he didn't even know when he wore the t-shirt what OAN's specific position on BLM was. Yet, of course, this doesn't matter, for while Democrats blather on in an attempt to impeach Attorney General William Barr for upholding the Constitution by fabricating violations of the Constitution that, were, that the Attorney General is supposedly engaging in by ordering federal officers to round up supposedly innocent people because they are legally found guilty of crimes by federal officers simply because of their mere association with the violent rioters in Portland, the Democrats' Marxist mobs are actually declaring Mike Gundy's guilt for his crime of racism, because of his mere association with OAN. And by the way, can I just stop and say this? BLM is a farce. It is merely a poorly construed smokescreen for fermenting the violent communist revolution. We know this because co-founder of BLM Patrice Cullors openly admitted this in 2015, shortly after founding the organization, when she was asked about the possible lack of ideological framework within BLM that the BLM movement would need in order to continue to propel itself forward. Listen, play clip number two, please. He was concerned, or is concerned, that, uh, that there's a lack of perhaps uh, ideological direction in Black Lives Matter that would allow it to be, to, to, to fizzle out, in, as he said, um, uh, in comparison to Occupy Wall Street. Uh, as you are, are advanced in your own organization, as you all are headed to Cleveland to participate in this Black Lives um, Movement conference, how do you respond to that particular critique? Again, a loving critique from an elder of the struggle uh, that some others share, uh, that I've even shared as well, to, to be frank, as a concern about, uh, in part because of the co-optation and, and the appropriation, that, that a, a more clear ideological um, structuring might be of some value here. But how do you respond to, to, to those kinds of, again, loving criticisms? Um, I think that the criticism is helpful. Um, I also think that it might, um, I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Um, we are uh, super, uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories. Again, the first thing that the co-founder of BLM thinks of when she thinks of the movement's ideological framework is that they are trained Marxists that are well-versed in the ideological theory. You know, the ideological theory that calls for a violent communist revolution? Yet It is not just people's livelihoods and sacred honor that are threatened by the Marxists whenever they are discovered to have publicly displayed enthusiasm for conservatism. But as everyone in America... began to learn ever since President Trump's election to office in 2016. Unless you are prepared to have to literally defend yourself from violent attackers, you can't just go out in public wearing a red hat with white lettering on it saying, Make America Great Again. I mean, not only were there several incidents where adults who publicly displayed support for conservatism and President Trump were attacked ever since 2016 for having the audacity to wear a mega hat, but not even our children are saved from the violence that will be unleashed against you because of the ideology of Marxism for such a crime against humanity as wearing a mega hat. A lesson that a 14-year-old Florida boy in November of 2019 on a school bus learned when multiple students jumped and attacked him, repeatedly punching him in the head because he dared to wear a mega hat to school. Violence for the purpose of silencing the Marxist enemies that has only escalated as the Marxists have taken to the streets. With street preachers in Chaz and across the country being choked and beaten, several churches across the country in over six states being defaced and burned, account that continues to rise with each passing day, and Sunday worship services being interrupted by violent Marxists. As was seen at Grace Baptist Church in Troy, New York, when violent Marxists, whose sole purpose was to interrupt the service and intimidate worshipers from participating in the worship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace and our only hope as humanity for peace and reconciliation, threatened and attacked the church members, threatened to burn down the church, and literally worshipped the devil in the street in front of the church steps, calling upon Satan to cast a curse upon the church. With these violent thugs yelling through a megaphone, show me what democracy looks like, this is what democracy looks like. To which I respond, yep, that's exactly why the founders of the United States chose a constitutional democratic republic over a pure democracy. Because just like in Athens, Greece, the birthplace of pure democracy, the implementation of which is one of the Marxist stated goals, Democracy always descends into chaos as the various factions arm themselves and go into the streets to use their power to intimidate and silence their opponents through harassment and physical violence, always ending in tyranny. And if we as Canadians think that we are immune to this violence, then why did the church I attend need a police cruiser out in front of it for multiple weeks after it had disciplined a member of the church for not adhering to the commandments of Christ? Because Marxism always demands violent Marxists. With this violent intimidation by, a, by the Marxist mob reaching a crescendo on July 25th, when African American street preacher Burnell Trammell was shot to death in broad daylight in front of his shop in Milwaukee, where he sold various signs, including those that demonstrated his support for conservatism and Donald Trump. In fact, Trammell was an outspoken Christian and Trump supporter who, just days before his, his death, released a video encouraging people to vote for Trump, and who, just days before, had also gotten into an altercation with a young man over his pro-Trump signs, indicating clearly that his public stand in defense of conservatism and in worship of Christ played a role in his murder. Meanwhile, on the same day in Portland, African-American conservative reporter Drew Duncombe, reporting for the Common Sense Conservative, was stabbed on tape after he confronted an Antifa member who was following him and other conservative journalists persistently in an attempt to intimidate them from filming and documenting the chaos and violence being caused by Antifa on the streets in Portland. Yet while all this hatred, harassment, evil, and violence by the Marxists under the guise of cancel culture against conservatism and conservatives can certainly explain the sudden shift away from conservatism in the Gallup poll, I don't believe that this is to tell the whole story of what is happening. Since while the sudden explosion of cancel culture in all its various forms has certainly affected society recently, so has COVID-19. And so has Trump's unwillingness and inability to effectively combat the media's fear campaign regarding COVID-19, with the facts and medical data that I presented in the previous episode of the Jam Commission. With Trump's inability to stand by the medical data and explain the truth regarding COVID-19 to the American people, resulting in the media being successfully able to convince many Americans that conservatives and conservatism are unable to effectively deal with the COVID-19 crisis because, simply, we are anti-science. Portraying the United States as having handled COVID-19 worse than any other nation on Earth, despite the U.S. currently ranking 12th in infection mortality rates across the world, and 56th in infection mortality race amongst all nations over the entirety of the COVID-19 pandemic, resulting in the United States being ahead of such countries as Japan, who were praised by the mainstream media as having crushed the virus because of their strict adherence to the expansion of government control through lockdowns. Moreover, I think that because of this lack of dissemination of the medical data regarding COVID-19 amongst the general public, many conservatives and Christians think that to be a good citizen and to follow the second most important of Christ's commandments to love thy neighbor as yourself is to stay home. And while this could certainly account for the smaller crowds recently at various conservative and Trump events, it is rather dubious whether this would account for a drop in support for conservatism in an anonymous telephone survey. This is why I also don't believe that the events surrounding COVID-19 tell the full story playing out in the Gallup poll released last week either, regarding why Americans are turning away from conservatism especially when you consider that a Pew Research poll conducted in June demonstrated that because over 41% of Americans state that they are witnessing an exaggeration of conspiracy theories and political partisanship in COVID-19 news by the mainstream media, this has resulted in a drop from 57% of Americans paying attention to mainstream news coverage about COVID-19 in late March, early April, to only 39% of Americans paying attention to it by June. With this partisanship culminating in the recent ban by all major social media platforms, of a video sponsored by the Tea Party Patriots Foundation and Congressman Ralph North of South Carolina that was put together by a group of frontline medical doctors associated with America's frontline doctors, all of whom are experienced in treating COVID-19 patients during the pandemic, because it dared to offer hope in the form of the medical data regarding the true threat of COVID-19 and the various treatments that are currently available to Americans, even the most vulnerable, to effectively treat it leading to the missing reason and my deepest fear regarding why Americans' support for conservatism is dropping, which is not only that Americans are moving away from conservatism at a fear of cancel culture, and not only because of the effective fear campaign when it comes to COVID-19 being waged by the mainstream media, that less and less Americans are beginning to agree with and pay attention to, thank God, but it is because conservatives are not willing to stand on their knees before God and dissent to these Marxists in our streets, dissent to these Marxists in our houses of government, and dissent to these Marxists in the media. By speaking a contrasting message known as the truth, boldly and unashamedly, by being in the streets acting as our Lord calls us to act in Matthew 5, 9, not as passive peacekeepers, for right now especially there is no peace to keep, but rather as active peacemakers, by peacefully being in the streets offering Christ's reconciliation and forgiveness to our enemies, by supporting our officers as they get physically assaulted and projectiles thrown at them, and by acting in deliberate, peaceful, civil disobedience against our government's violation of our rights over COVID-19, from face masks to our right to work, and especially over the violation of our right to worship Christ, according to our conscience. With the reason I believe that this lack of courage amongst conservatives and Christians that is causing Americans to move away from conservatism, being because when you dive into the breakdown of the Gallup poll, it shows that the largest shifts away from conservatism are not happening in the cities, where the vast majority of cancel culture in its most violent forms has manifested itself, and where lack of social distancing ability makes COVID 19 a greater threat, but rather in the suburbs and the small towns and rural areas of America. With only a 3% drop in support for conservatism occurring amongst those in the cities, while well, an 8% drop in support for conservatism has occurred amongst Americans in the suburbs, and even more alarming, a 7% drop in support for conservatism has occurred amongst Americans in the small towns and rural areas which have long been bastions of conservatism and Christianity. With Americans moving not from conservatism to being independents, but rather from conservatism to liberalism, with America's support for liberalism increasing by 4 percentage points since February. Why? It is because the longer that conservatives refuse to engage in the cultural civil war being waged against them and everyone else by the violent Marxists, the more Americans are going to abandon per- conservatism permanently from Marxism. This is because if we as conservatives are not willing to take a stand and risk our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honors against Marxist revolutionaries, we not only risk people arguing for our passive agreement with Marxism through absenteeism, but we risk being called out as frauds, as clearly our beliefs in classical liberalism, Christ, and country are not worth sacrificing and fighting for. Since if we won't even get out of bed, or rather sadly if we hide under the bed, when the Marxists invade our streets and commit violence against our fellow citizens, What will we we get out of bed for? Are our slogans, there is no king but God, and give me liberty or give me death, are they just nice words written on a page? Or are they what we actually believe, and therefore we're standing up for, sacrificing for, dying for, and living for? And if they are, then why not now while we still can? And why not now while we still can do so peacefully? You know, Edmund Burke was exactly right when he said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And that is what we are seeing reflected in this Gallup poll. We as Christians and conservatives are allowing a few courageous heroes to fight on our behalf, like street preacher and Beatty, when that is no longer enough. And unless we the people begin to stand on our knees before God and dissent to this Marxism, for only with God are all things possible, we are going to lose more and more conservatives to Marxism as we teach people by our recent example that freedom and classical liberal ideals that the West is founded on are not worth sacrificing and fighting for, and therefore that they do not matter, for they must not be true. And most devastating of all, especially for us Christians, that the work of the church and society is not necessary, and that upholding Christ as society's only king is not necessary for our society to prosper. Since as Christ tells us in the scriptures in John 13, 34-35, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so now is the time for conservatives and us the Church to follow Christ's example and sacrifice our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor by dissenting to this Marxism that has only grown in number, in violence, and in evil, wherever it is found. So that at a time in history in the West when so many people are living in fear, to the point where they see no other option but to quietly succumb to this Marxism, they will begin to see another way forward, as they begin to know we are Christians by our love. So let us not be afraid, but rather let us stand now in accordance with Christ, for Christ loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells us so. This has been Jam for the Jam Commission, Ephesians 6, 10-18. Good night, and God bless. you've been listening to the jam commission. Check out more of the show on demand at anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castbox, Pocket Casts, YouTube, or wherever podcasts are found. Also connect with and follow jam on Facebook, Twitter, Parlor, and Instagram at the jam commission.